You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers. The list goes on and on. But today is the power hour, so we're going to be focusing on Questions relating to engines and upgrades and troubleshooting and modification and fuel mileage and all those things. And joining me from Pittsburgh Power, we've got Bruce and Leroy and John. Welcome back, guys. Well, thank you, Kevin, for having us. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we missed you the last couple weeks, Bruce. Great to have you back. Well, thank you. You know, my body's getting old. It's like an old truck. It needs a lot of attention. And for right. somehow these doctor's appointments always seem to fall on the power hour. Well, you're you're back now, so uh, we're going to get to some questions in a little bit. Any good stories this week? Anything going on? Yes, Leroy's going to talk to us about uh, an ISX that had some problems and what we found and how it's doing. And John has a story about an ACERT cat that we came up with some more programs and where the torque is. So we'll let uh, Leroy start with the ISX. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had a customer about a month or so ago come in with a 2005 ISX. He's had some issues using the D-rate and whatnot, not making any power, made about 4.7 miles per gallon, just terrible. He hated his truck. Um, where did you say, John, he got it from some trucking company or something like that? It was an ex-fleet truck of some sort, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he had a lot of issues with it, so doing nothing but a program, um, we managed to get his mileage up, and he had a lot more power, but there was still something wrong. So he ended up coming back. We put an, en- an engine harness and a set of injectors in it. Now he's doing 670 horsepower to the wheels, about 2,050 foot-pounds to the wheels, and averaging like 7 miles per gallon. It's it's fantastic. Wow. The guy loves his truck. <laughs> wow. That's a yeah, major change. I keep trying to get him to come back in so we can turn that down a little bit. That's a little hot, but uh, <laughs> he sure loves it. It's like driving a pickup truck. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Bruce, just so you know, um, I asked these guys last week at the CMC if you could put a power box on mine because we uh, – you know, I, I told you before it was a little – underpowered on some of the bigger hills and now we're pulling a 24 foot car hauler behind it and we got quite a bit heavier and it was ridiculous on the hills i was down to third gear and about 36 miles an hour on some of the pulls and i was really working hard to try to get five miles to the gallon but i was more like 4.8 wow that's terrible it is. It that, really that's is. That's ridiculous. See, 
it's a shame that an engineering company or an engine company would release something like that, something that pitiful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, it's supposed to be 525 horsepower and 1650 torque, and it's just not there. And I realize the Allison transmission isn't helping, but... 36 miles an hour up the hills is a little ridiculous and can't even get five miles to the gallon. And I'm driving 60. I mean, the cruise is set on yeah. 60 the whole time. I'm getting 4.8. Wow. Maybe uh, John's story on the ACERT uh, can help you. John? Yeah. Yeah. We were able to, uh, we had a customer in with uh, ACERT that he hauls very heavy and uh, a lot of mountains. He was able. We were able to uh, do some tuning for him, and uh, we got him way into the 2000s on the torque. He was 27.50 on the torque and over 700 horsepower to the ground, and uh, he was thrilled to death, just absolutely the happiest could be with that. It, it was kind of funny at first. He wanted 700 horsepower. I said, oh, we can do that, but I meant flywheel, and he wanted wheel. So he had to come back, and that's when we uh, we really threw it to it. Then he actually left and came back, and we're like, "Okay, we're going to show you." Okay, it's got <laughs> so, laid down now. So he had it when he left here, and he's he's thrilled to death as well. But uh, it's been fun. This tuning is a really neat uh, neat thing. We're able to, you know, do so many parameters and so much we could do with it, and actually make the engine more efficient in a lot of zones, and actually make more power. It's it's pretty amazing what we're doing with it right now. These guys are spending a ton of time on it. Uh, Leroy and Ethan both uh, countless hours on, on the, all the tiny changes we can make within the tuning there. I, I can't imagine anybody else doing the work that we're doing, uh, especially on the ISX, but we're making progress with the cat still too. Well, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to you guys working your magic on mine so I have a better trip home than I had coming out here. <laughs> we will. We'll get that thing going. All right. Good. Good. All right. Anything else, guys, or should we get to some questions? Not much. We've been busy prepping for the show, so any anything about the show, we've yeah. got to spend a lot of time in the past week getting ready to go to Louisville. Yeah, so it, let's talk about that real quick, and then we'll jump to a question. You know, the this show, we're always flooded with questions. We never get to all of them. Uh, we could do probably several hours of this every week. But, you know, Louisville is a great place to come and get your hands on some of the stuff and see things and talk to you guys and get questions answered. I mean, that's all you do. Your booth is just slammed for three days. So, um, you know, I encourage everybody to stop in and see you guys at the show. There's a lot going on. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, all three of us are going to be there. I'll be there. Leroy will be there. Bruce will obviously be there. Uh, Pete's coming as well, and uh, one of our mechanics, Austin, will be there. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to some phone calls. We're going to start off in Ohio. Brandon, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have two quick questions. Uh, one is about the pre-emission uh, cats and an N14. I want to know from the maintenance side of things, you know, what you guys could tell me about uh, which one would take the edge as far as reliability and fuel economy or, you know, length of uh, – operation before an end frame, anything like that. So you're comparing the N14 with what other engine? Uh, Pre-emission cat, like a C15 or something. Well, I like them both. So are you looking at a used truck? Yeah, I'm considering a T2000. I talked to Kevin yesterday, and we you know, 
you mentioned that the, the Detroit sixties are harder to find in the T two thousands and uh you know, I, I do see a, most of them do have either the pre-emission ISX in the early 2000s, or I can find them with the N14 or C15. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if you find a nice 2000, whether it has the CAT or the N14 or the ISX, it doesn't matter. All three are great engines. Uh, we have a lot of good items for the uh, ISX and the Caterpillar, not quite as many for the N14, but the N14 has been the longest-lived engine ever. Uh, Charles Bradshaw, I think he's out of South Carolina, went over 2 million miles without rebuilding his. So, But if you want good, hard, brute polling power, you'd want the ISX or the uh, 3406E or C15. I, I okay. could live with any one of the three. Okay. And as far as you know, question. I love horsepower, so it would be more the ISX or the Caterpillar for me because the N14, the way they design the injectors, it will only allow us to put out so much horsepower, but the firebox does great on it. So. Okay. And one more quick question. Um, my cousin and I are talking about doing a team operation, uh, possibly getting into a team operation. I wondered... If you guys could shine some light on the differences in maintenance between two solo trucks versus a versus a team truck, if if it if, does it really you know convert to twice the amount of maintenance because you're doing double the miles and double the hours, or is it a little bit less maintenance? No, you're you're correct. It's less maintenance because the hardest thing on a, an engine is to start up, especially when it's cold. And with a team-driven truck, you you have less startups. And are you going to crisscross the country? Um, yeah, we're not sure quite where our uh, you know where, where we're going to be out in the country, but uh, we probably stay more east of the Mississippi is what we try to do. Okay, uh, you know the easiest miles are east to west, all the way across the country. The hardest place in North America on a semi-truck is the western panhandle of Maryland by Deep Creek Lake, Interstate 68, Oakland, Maryland, that area. So that's the the hardest area. But if you're going to stay in the eastern part of the state and you're up and down I-95 and stuff, yeah, you, uh, you go longer between your oil changes and your maintenance because the truck is constantly running. So you think you're correct. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, guys. We've got to get to a break. Bruce, I agree with everything you said. Uh, We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and John and Leroy helping me out from Pittsburgh Power. We're taking your calls and answering your questions. We're off to Kentucky this time. JR, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Pittsburgh Power guys. How y'all doing? Good. 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 Hey, uh, you guys built a uh, 6NZ, 036NZ for me about 120,000 miles ago. Um, I was out of Arizona. I sent all the parts to you. You guys put a, you know, balanced it, uh, put your coating on it, did all that stuff. Then I went to uh, Bass, Evans Coolant, and the Power Box. Uh, had it up in Pittsburgh Power one time. You guys replaced the new uh, engine wiring harness because found out uh, my atmospheric pressure switch. My uh, guys, local guys, decided to sell me one for an Acer instead of a 6NZ, but you got me all straightened out there. Now running down the road, I'm just wondering, um, this truck will, fantastic, you know, use that lever on one if I'm pulling on a light trailer. If I'm getting into some power, though, like a two or a three, like right now I'm pulling an oversize, and um, when I'm going up hills, I notice my uh, EGT temperature is getting up around 9, 950, and my uh, coolant, Evans coolant, climbs up to the 230 mark and kicks the alarm off. And it'll scream at me for a couple of three minutes, and then I'll do some shift, then play around and get it dropped back down. But I'm just wondering, is this uh, is there a way to fix this, or is this kind of normal for that, or what? Well, the 900 degrees is cold. That's only 1,200 degrees on the hot side. I'm assuming your thermocouple is in the exhaust pipe, so you have to add 300 degrees to it. So 1,200 is just exactly where you want to be. So as far as the engine performance in the Engine exhaust temperature, that's absolutely perfect. As far as the Evans coolant and your temperature getting up to 230, why do you let it get that high? Why don't you drop down a half a gear? Well, I figure the uh, hotter the engine, the more efficient it is. And, uh, you know, the Evans coolant is good till 350 anyway. Yeah. I'm old school, so I like to see the 180 to 200 degrees when pulling. I, I I just wouldn't let it go to 230. Oh really? Okay. That's my I've feeling. got some. Oh, I talk. I've, I've got some experience with Evans cooling in another world, and uh, what we found with it was you will have higher gauge temperatures, but your internal temperatures on your engine will actually be cooler, at least around the liner, because there's no localized boiling inside the engine where the conventional coolant will actually there'll be a vapor barrier between it and the outside of the liner that you do not have with the Evans. So you've got better heat transfer with the Evans. So you're going to see higher gauge temperatures, and your internal temperatures will actually, believe it or not, be a little cooler. I don't know how we quantify that, the but... Evans coolant is absorbing more of the heat rather exactly. than the liners. Right. That's where the heat's going. Well, That's where the heat's going. Another, yeah. another quick question. What are you guys finding out on this 6NZ on a 2 or 3? What's my horsepower, roughly? What's, tell me your turbo boost on power level 3. What's that? What is the turbo boost on pulling a hard hill when you're on power level two or three? And I'll tell you your horsepower. Oh, probably around four or five, maybe six. No, pounds of turbo boost pulling a hill. Oh, on the uh, scan gauge? No, on the turbo boost gauge, how many pounds of boost are you using to pull a hill? When you're flat Uh, out to the floor... Well, I'm never flat out to the 
floor, but usually around okay. four or five. It's on it's on number four, number five. No, I'm talking about how many pounds of boost. You get, are you at 30, 35, 38? Oh, no, I'm talking about your uh, Pittsburgh power gauge here. It just has one, two, Well, three, I know, four, but you're five. asking me horsepower, and for me to tell you the horsepower, I've got to tell you've got to tell me how many pounds of turbo boost you have, and then I'll put it into my equation. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm probably uh, boosting up around 35, 38 pounds. Okay, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna tell you 35. Let me do a calculation here. While while Bruce is calculating that, I'll do a little song and dance. Well, maybe I'll just 41. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't sing very well. Let's hear it. 641 at uh, 35 pounds. Okay. Well, now, I uh, I haven't gone into the air-to-air yet or the radiator. Do you guys suggest maybe putting, when I do replace those, and going to maybe a little thicker radiator? And obviously, I'm going to do a Duralite on the air-to-air. Um, what, uh, that might... what, what kind of truck is it? 03 Columbia. Okay. 03 Columbia. I'm not sure how much, how much larger our radiator is, but it is larger. I have the specs in my head for a 379, and I'll just give you those figures real quick. On a 379 with a 550 cat, it comes with 234 tubes. We have 400 tubes. The stock rad has straight-through tubes. Ours are dimpled, which means the coolant has to touch the sides more. And, and it slows the flow down a little bit to keep the coolant in the radiator to get cooler. Plus, the stock rad has 14 fins per inch, and we have 16. So that gives you an idea. I wish I could quote the numbers on the Columbia. But, Kevin, what was your song and dance? Oh, nothing. I, I was just going to dance because I can't sing very well. In fact, I did dance. I'm not sure why nobody commented on it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you standing up? I'm always standing up, yeah. All right. Well, you need to have yep. a uh, one of those uh, one of those cams so we can see you through the computer. You know, in in the, we used to do that. We when we had our studio in Colorado, we we did uh, a live video. Uh, Lisa had a camera on her screening, and I had one. The problem is when we're on the road. Um, the video takes up so much bandwidth and we never know if we're going to have a good enough internet connection on the road. So we just, we didn't do it, but um, the new addition at home, the studio there will be all set up for video. Okay. All right. So you'll be able to watch. Yeah. You'll be able to watch me on my balance board because normally I do the show on the balance board. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, comment about your transmission, your RVs. I went over to Europe quite a few years ago, and all of their motor coaches were manuals, but yet they were the pushers. Huh. Yeah. You know, I don't know why, when you get up to the the higher end on the coaches, why they don't use the automated manual transmissions. I realize they're not going to put a stick in these things. Um, but yeah. at least the automated manual instead of the Allison. 
Yeah, and then just one other comment. A guy called a couple weeks or last week, I think, about uh, lease purchase. He paid off the truck, but he was not able to get the title from the company. Maybe he should run a rig dig on his own truck to see who. I don't remember if they have who has the actual title on that truck. Yeah, and and that you know I can't believe I I missed that. I was kind of outraged that you know the guy had been through all that and still couldn't get a title, and I didn't even think um, that that's a great recommendation. Go run the rig dig, and then we'll at least know who has the title and if the there's title. a lien on it then he could he could go from there yeah that's a great yeah, idea thank tr- you for that tr- trying to get that in for a couple of shows now so i'll let you guys go ahead thank you very much all right thanks for the call let's head off to tennessee barry welcome to the program uh, how are you doing today hey i have a question about um upper cylinder lubricant the lucas i know bruce that you recommend it and Kevin, you do not, and I'm running an 03 Pete with a three, uh, 6 NZ cat with just over a million miles. Never really used any kind of additive. I guess my question really is, I was looking at that product the other day, and it's good for diesel and gasoline. And my question is, how can it be good for both? All right, I'll tell you that. Forrest Lucas is a friend of mine, and the upper cylinder lubricant is the fuel conditioner. And he says that diesel or gasoline and diesel fuel are very dry. And he said that it even helps. I put it in the Harley Davidson. Sometimes I put it in the snowmobiles. However, I always put it in my diesel engines just to give it some lubricity. The clearance in a barrel and plunger in an injector is 40 millionths. The upper part of the barrel and plunger is lubricated by engine oil. The bottom part is lubricated by diesel fuel. And if there's no lubricity in diesel fuel, you can score barrels and plungers. Now, if you're over a million miles and you haven't been using it and you aren't experiencing any problems, then you're probably okay. Yeah, I have a guy that a couple of years ago, he had his Caterpillar rebuilt, and they went through six sets of injectors, and he keeps scoring injectors. And I said, put Lucas in it. And what regularity yeah, would you say to use that? Hold, hold that thought. We're going to get to a break, and we're going to come back, and I'll kind of clarify my stance on additives. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. 
got John and Leroy and Bruce with me, and we were just talking about some additives, so we're going to get back to that call. Um, Quick heads up. Most of the time when I talk about fuel additives, I'm referring to fuel additives that make wild claims about fuel mileage improvements. And I've found that with lots and lots of testing, I have never found an additive that actually improves fuel economy. So that's what I'm not in favor of, these high-priced, expensive additives. You're supposed to put them in every tank. I've seen crazy claims of 10% fuel improvement, and I've tested them over and over and over, and we get nothing. Now, when it's a a maintenance-related, like keeping lubricity back into the fuel, if you're having injector problems, absolutely. I don't know how often you should do it because I honestly never had injector problems. I don't know how I got so lucky, but in all the trucks I owned and all the years I owned them, I I can't remember two sets of injectors in, in all those trucks in all those years. So since I didn't have an injector problem, I didn't see the need to put in an additive. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've never had an issue with an injector in 30-something years, so I've never really, uh, I've never used, I've used it occasionally, but, um, so you can't, you can't recommend a, a regularity of use for a, with 300-gallon tanks. I, I don't you know. know. Well, you I know, mean, one, one gallon of Lucas treats 400 gallons. Right. So. Right. Uh, I try to put it in my diesel vehicles every time. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I run out, but I try to put some in it. So you keep it in there at all at all times, then. Basically, all the times. And in the winter time, uh, I use the winter blend. That way, I never have a gelling issue. All right. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Glenn, welcome to the program. Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? Uh, I got a question. I'm always looking for upgrades for my truck, and and I've looked on uh, Pittsburgh's uh, website several times. I guess I just got an oddball truck. You don't seem like you have a lot of products for Max. (laughs) No, we don't have a lot of products for Max because we just find that the, the Mac people don't seem to be real aggressive looking for performance upgrades. Yeah. Allentown being Mac country, western Pennsylvania, just had uh, thousands of Mac triaxle dump trucks. But uh, we were building a power box for one, and we have it. I'm not sure if we have it ready to go. We have several of them running down in uh, Puerto Rico on some Macs. But... uh, no, just we don't have a lot of stuff for the Mac. Our next yeah, engine to work really... on is probably going to be the pack car engine. But uh, you know who? Do you know who yeah. the most aggressive owner operator is? Who's that? Peter built with a Caterpillar. That's the oh, most yeah. aggressive yeah. owner operator. And then it's right. the Kenworth with a Cat, and now it's the Kenworth and Pete with the ISX. They're the most aggressive when it comes to wanting performance upgrades. Right. Well, I mean, I'm not so much looking for performance, for uh, liability and, and fuel mileage, and I actually run Ural's territory, the, wor- the worst territory in the country. That's That you was talking about a while ago, I actually run that quite often. Uh-huh. So, 
And uh, but uh, I, I just recently bought y'all's muffler uh, to put up under the uh, the shorty performance to put up underneath. I'm actually on my first run with it now, and uh, see how much that improves for me. But uh, I, I, we can I also anchor, we can also do them. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We can also do an exhaust manifold for you. It'll be a a Mac manifold that we take and port till we get 20% more flow and then ceramic and Teflon coated. What year's your Mac? It's an 01. 01. So we're pre-emissions. Yes. I said ceramic and Teflon. I meant just ceramic coat the manifold. And that'll help you. That'll give you 20% more exhaust flow and about a quarter mile of the gallon and 125-degree cooler exhaust temperature. And it'll take about four to five weeks to make that manifold. Okay. Yeah, I'm always having a problem with the with the, with the, with my exhaust temperature. Uh, I run across the Pennsylvania Turnpike quite heavy one way, and I'm empty the other way. And I'm always having a problem keeping it down under. A, uh, Mac always recommends... Uh, to keep it under 1200 well and with the probe where it is i always try to keep it under a thousand with, with where is with your probe, probe where's your thermocouple it's it's in the exhaust on the on the uh, exhaust side of the turbo well is it in the manifold or in the pipe it's in the pipe okay in the pipe and they're telling you 1200 degrees that's actually 1500 degrees so for everybody listening that's always concerned about, gosh, I hit 900 and a thousand, here's a guy that Mac is telling him he can go to 1,200. Caterpillar has said you can go to 1,200 with your thermocouple on the gold side. The only thing it does is it wants to eat away at the exhaust manifold, but it doesn't hurt the engine. Now, years, years ago when everything ran aluminum pistons, we wanted to keep it cooler. So if Mac told you you can go to 1,200, that's actually 1,500 on the hot side. What you could do is wow. stop by our shop. I think our performance turbos, one of our performance turbos for the 12.7 Detroit will give you another 6 to 8 pounds of boost, and that will cool you down about 150 to 200 degrees exhaust temp. So stop by someday, and let's take a look and see if we can't match up a better turbo to it. Yeah, I had actually looked at that with another shop, and uh, but I was going to have to redo the, uh, have to redo the duct work. As far and we as the might air not have to. You know, we, we may not have to do that. You have an oh, air okay. researcher well, aboard Warner Turbo on there, so we might have a direct boat on for you. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to stop up in there and take a look at it and see what we can see what we can work out. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Let's uh, let's head off to Wisconsin. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, I want to talk to the boys. I think I might have some electrical problems with my old five uh, international with an ISX in it. Uh, they just put a new computer on it twelve thousand miles ago. I got a low injector voltage uh, earlier this week, and then I was pulling a, a hard right corner going into a big long pull. And I got a computer voltage low, uh, so I, I I think I may have an electrical problem in the wiring. Uh, this truck has been over for wiring over the last three years, and it's it's had quite a few problems fixed. But I wanted to bring it down to them. I wanted to get a, a weed burner put on it, 
I want to get the high flow uh, muffler along with the high flow uh, air cleaners. I'd like to get a health check done on it uh, because they put new injectors in it, and I think whoever the shop was, they didn't time the engine right because it was a dog for power when I was looking at it, and I told them, I said, I'm not going to buy it like that, and they had to retime the engine after they put the new computer on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, kind right? of a, what kind of a time do I need to get all that work done? I want. I also want to get the harmonic balancer put on at the same time. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the wiring part, and then John can say about how long it's going to take to do the exhaust and the damper. But um, I think for the wiring issue, I would like at least a day or two. Um, but that that should be addressed pretty quick. If you're getting low voltage to the ECM, that's never good for an ECM. If it uh, goes low voltage while you're driving during a right cycle, it could corrupt the memory, and uh, yeah, you could have some issues there. So you want to get that addressed pretty quick. Um, I had a guy a few weeks ago that that was his whole issue. He had a whole bunch of money in tow bills uh, because his connector going to his main power connector going to the ECM was bad, and one some another shop put a butt connector on there and when they did that when they crimped it they got all they cut the insulation they got all sorts of green in there it's just a bad situation you definitely want to get that looked at here pretty quick on the other stuff there everything i think would be about a two-day deal plan on spending two days here yeah two days i would like to say yeah that'd be about two days for everything and i'd recommend on the electricals the uh engine harness Oh, definitely yeah. is worth changing. It's not terribly expensive, and those uh, plugs and everything get old with time, and the wires will sometimes crack down inside of them. And the engine harness really was what helped us with the ISX we told you about earlier in the show. He'd had okay, some odd cool. check engine lights and some inconsistencies, and we were able to fix that with the engine harness. How many miles are yeah, on I your also, also wanted to get a, uh, a proper ECR uh, delete done. I've unplugged it and disabled it, and I picked up three-quarters of a mile to the gallon. But I want to get the proper delete done on that to get a mileage you can put in the computer once we get all the other electrical problems taken care of. All right. I've got to get to a break. The music's playing. Stick around. We've got one more segment. We're going to come back and knock out as many calls and questions as we can. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. It is the Power Hour. John Leroy and Bruce are here with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get right back to your calls and questions. We're off to Oregon. Irvy, welcome to the program. How are gentlemen doing? Good. Good. What can we Good. help How are you with today? Good. Uh, I had an engine that's got a C15. 
the 99P that I had it rebuilt in about 150,000 miles. And then it started uh, leaking oil through the blow-by. I don't have no blow-by. It just started leaking oil to the shop. And they said it was probably broken ring or the rings lined up. And they opened it up, and they really couldn't find anything wrong with it. So, But they went ahead and re-ringed it and put it back together, and it's still leaking through the blow-by quite a bit of oil. And now they're saying that they make an upgrade that you can put on the blow-by for that oil to go up to the valve cover. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. All I know is I would put our oil trap on it to catch the oil so it doesn't make the underneath of your truck filthy and dropping it on the road. But there's a there's a, something else that's wrong. That Caterpillar shouldn't be dripping oil out of the blow-by tube. And as far as... Uh, it's an old wives' tale when they say about the piston rings because piston rings do turn on a piston. So sometimes when you pull them out, you may just see all the end gaps lined up, but it doesn't hurt anything because they constantly are turning. So anyway, yeah, back to why is the oil coming out of the breather tube? John, do you have any thoughts on that? Ring seals usually it, but there could be something else, maybe even the turbo. Uh, the turbos, I've heard of uh, boost pressure going through the t- turbo drain, um, depending on how long his turbo's been on there. Or the valve guides. could be valve guides as well. Yeah, because it's got a brand, brand new head on it, brand new turbo, everything we've done that in-frame on it. Only, like I said, it's only got 150,000 miles. But this engine's a 2WS, and the blow-by is right by the uh, oil filter, and they said there's a screen or something that might broke broke on there, and that's why it's going through the blow-by. How much oil is coming out of it? Like quite a bit. About uh, I lost about two gallons in 100 miles. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's, wow, that's a lot. A little more than a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> that's beyond blow-by. That's not just blow-by. Yeah. Wow. I, was it a, a truck dealership that built the engine? Yeah, the cat dealership. They say that they, cat. They, there's a uh, there's an upgrade that they do to them engines to divert that uh, blow by up to the valve cover on top. No, no, no. Two WS is a great engine. There's something internally wrong. You're blowing out two gallon of oil on a hundred yeah, miles. Like they you need to get back that Yeah, that's who tore it all apart, and they couldn't find really nothing wrong with it, but they went ahead and re-ringed it and put it all back together, and they're still same thing, doing the same thing. Where do you live? In the Washington. Washington State? Yes. And do you ever get east? Yeah. I don't know, a two-gallon of oil and a... Hundred miles, you wouldn't be able to yeah. get it by driving. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just that's completely say. unacceptable. You need to go back to that uh, cat dealership and have them sort that out. That's way beyond anything they should find acceptable. Yeah, I wouldn't let that go. Don't let that go. Yeah, that's why I didn't. I didn't like that idea. And they're just going to bypass right up to the top of the block there. Yeah, that's a Band-Aid. I've, I've seen that's, they do yeah. have a trap on some. Some cats come in here do have a trap on the from the factory on the on the breather that's got a small drain that drains back to the oil pan. 
I think that's what they're talking about, actually. But, uh, it's yeah, you're way I, beyond that. That's not uh, you. You've got way yeah. bigger problems than, than that. Yeah. In fact, if, now, if you're going to drive it to Pittsburgh, you're going to have to pull a tanker behind you full of oil. <laughs> yeah, you better get a load of oil coming this way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's uh, let, let me let me say something another... about the piston rings. And John, you tell me if I'm thinking correct or not. Uh, the cross hatch on the cylinder walls on the liners is what actually breaks in. Piston rings are chrome-faced, and they're very hard. So it's my understanding is the crosshatch breaks into the ring, not the rings breaking into the cylinder walls. And by putting new rings on, that doesn't necessarily fix the problem. They should have changed the cylinder walls or the liners. Do you agree with that, John? Or both, or they should have roughed it up a little bit with a ball hone to get the little crosshatch back in there if it was polished. If you go to like a mirror finish on that cylinder wall, you're going to end up with uh, with a lot of blow-by. Or what I've seen in racing is if the rings got hot somehow, if the tension left the rings somehow rather than wear, what happens is if you overheat them, they get to a certain temperature, they'll lose their spring, and then you'll have a consumption slash blow-by problem. We we have the same problem in a diesel. If you run extremely high coolant temperature on long poles, where does your temperature go, your coolant temperature, when you're pulling uh, up over snow polymer? It don't get over 200. It actually runs yeah, really cool because we put a whole new radiator on it when we rebuild that. So if it's around 200, 210, you're okay. I don't think you took the tension out of the rings. Yeah. I think they need to put a set of cylinder kits in there. Or I at least agree. rings and liners. Okay. Let's see if we can uh, squeeze in another call before we've got to wrap this up. We're going to head off to Utah. Reese, welcome to the program. Yeah, can you hear me all right? Sound great. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep, sound good. Hey, uh, I want these guys to talk a little bit about heat again, Evans Coolant. Evans Coolant selling point naturally is higher heat. But the older motors, the six NZs, you know, with the head problems they have, you don't want you don't want higher heat. Bruce talks about school and lower heat and I'm and and I agree with him on that. So I've got a two thousand six NZ. I'm running the Evans coolant. And then when I'm in Arizona and you're running around two hundred and fifteen and you kick the fan off or kick the fan on, it struggles to keep the truck cool. How hot do you dare run a cat before it scares you? I mean I've never had my buzzers go off, but with the head problem What's too much heat for a cat? Okay, we we did have a problem with uh, Evans and a Caterpillar, and it was a 6NZ. The, we like to run our 180-degree thermostat if we're going to run Evans. Because and that's what I run 15, now. 180, because it takes 15 degrees to fully open the stat. So that means you don't fully open until 195. Okay. So, so you would you would you recommend you'd recommend getting a bigger radiator? But what is too much heat for a cat? Where where does where does heat scare you on a cat on a six NZ? Oh, I would say anything over two twenty would scare me. In fact, if it was mine, I wouldn't let it get over two ten. Okay. Because the fan, that's what, I'm, 
keep in mind, I'm conservative when it comes to heat. I'd rather downshift and get over that hill than crack ahead. Well, exactly. See, the fans, they don't have the fans kick on until 2.15 if you just wow. leave them. I mean, I, I kick my fan on at the bottom of the hill and then let it do its thing. But anyway, that right. was just my question. That selling point of high heat, that's great with new trucks maybe, but with the old ones, it's not necessarily the deal. Well, even with a new, even with a new truck, what's changed? We still have a cast iron head, still have steel liners, steel pistons. I piston rings haven't changed much. I don't, I don't know where the changes are. Whenever service managers say, "Oh yeah, these new engines, you can run them much hotter," but tell me why. And every wow. time I ask one that question, they they never tell me because they don't know. It's just hearsay. Let's All be right, conservative well, I, and make these things run a million miles or more and keep them cooler. Okay. The, well, uh, I appreciate it. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. All right. Thanks for the call. We don't have a, enough time to squeeze in another call. There any uh, closing comments, guys? Kevin, I'm sorry I missed the show on Sunday with uh, to talk about Louisville, but I'm on my way to the airport as soon as I hang up this phone, and I'll probably see you tomorrow morning uh yeah i'm when we hang up here from this show i gotta jump on the road i have about three hours up to uh council bluffs to get set up and then i jump on an airplane first thing tomorrow morning like 5 30 so i'll be in early well mine's this afternoon so looking forward to seeing you and seeing everybody at louisville it's like a homecoming it is. It is. But I, I always joke that at Louisville, you and I, you know, we don't get to see each other all that often anyway, but we stand 10 feet apart for three days and we never get to talk. <laughs> all right. Hey, looking forward to seeing you guys and seeing everybody else in Louisville. We've got to get on the road. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, be safe, be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.